Welcome to the More Than More podcast, where we discuss building meaningful, impactful businesses, careers, and lives through real estate. Well, good morning. Happy Friday. Dylan here with the More Than More podcast, and I'm sitting with Jason Mickelson. Good morning. We, uh, we kicked off the, the morning talking politics and talking world dynamics and so we're gonna we've made a commitment that we're not gonna go back there here for the next hour yeah with that warm fuzzy before we got started where could this go well let's hope it goes somewhere about real estate and real estate sales because i think that there's a lot to learn uh from mr mickelson here you've got a i was trying to think about this you've kind of got a an alternate view on a lot of things you're pretty (laughs) you can be a pretty controversial guy sometimes thank you and yes (laughs) I think it's just misunderstanding, but well, yeah, yeah. But you do. You're not afraid to view things differently than people, and you're not afraid to be, or you know, vocal about it. And and sometimes you're right, and sometimes you're wrong. Yes, for sure. And but, I get myself in trouble sometimes too. Well, we won't. Maybe we won't talk about <laughs> how, how vocal you get on social media and stuff. Sometimes, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm just even saying. I think inner office that becomes a deal because people don't understand. I have different experiences, and well, I'm not quiet. Yes, uh, and yes, and uh, the different experiences thing. I think there's a lot to to take away. So I kind of hope we can dig into really the whole car sales space and conversion and incubation of leads because I think you've got a lot to offer there especially for agents who've never been in sales somewhere else. Did you seriously just pick up and play with your phone? Are you that addicted? The reason I picked it up is because I know as we started at some point, you're going to ask me a question that's going to have to do with a number thing. And I have a spreadsheet of your data, has all my data. And it goes back to car sales days. So like I'm getting ready. This tells us everything we need to know about you though. So you are a, um, you're a three on the Enneagram. Uh, an achiever actually so you know when i go around the company i think of enneagram for those of you that don't know about enneagram check it out i think it's been a huge impact in my world nine different personality types it's not about which one you are it's about how to grow in whatever one you are right yeah okay but you're my archetypal three okay so when i think of different people and i think of numbers when i think of a three you're one of like two or three people that pops up in my brain and threes are achievers who absolutely want to perform. And it's not even about win, but they want the accolade. They want to, So they're measuring their numbers because you're the guy that knows the top 100 rankings about 37 seconds after they're published. It's funny because when you talk about that on other podcasts, oh, and you say there's about a you? couple of people that know. I'm like, I know he's talking about me. You, you know, know I'm <laughs> talking about you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, we don't have a ton of achievers here, funny enough. For a real estate company, um, a lot of people have three somewhere in their top, you know, two or three, but we have very few principal achievers. Can we, like, I think people think it's all about the numbers, though, and it's, it's, what is I was it thinking about? about it this morning. Like, it's not about where I am on the top 100 list. It's about re- what relative, like what is possible. And I look at Kyle and I say, oh my gosh, that's what's possible. And I'll be honest, I mean, a couple of years ago, that I didn't, I didn't even want that. Like Kyle and Ethan and Megan, they, they were like, yeah, they, I feel like after the, my rookie year, I'm like, I kind of don't know that I want what they have or what they're doing. And I took a year and I kind of just maintained a little bit for me. And then I'm like, you know what? Actually, maybe I do. And so now you got competitive last year again. 
And especially at the end of the year, I'm like, I was watching now. Like, oh, maybe where can I end up? I, I really like what you just said, though. <clears throat> it's not about the numbers. It's about what's possible. You, I mean, to dig into that just a little bit more, you're, there was no number that you were chasing in the beginning when you got into real estate or even your second, third year. It's what can be done. And it's like setting challenges for yourself to go accomplish or. Yeah. And this goes back to car days. So you, you find yourself at Carl Chevrolet and they tracked numbers big time. They, they cared. And I would say the majority of their salespeople didn't care. In fact, it was probably demotivating for them. They were like, cause they weren't threes. Well, they, you know, and yeah. And they were like, well, I don't, I didn't hit 20 this month. And then mm. for everybody, 20, hitting 20 in a month of cars is kind of a goal. Like you, if you can hit 20, you're going to make a great living selling mm. cars. And if they don't do it, it was kind of hurt their head a little bit. And that's why I came up with a spreadsheet that we brought up. Like I have. We didn't I, bring it up. You brought it I up. I brought it up. <laughs> Thank you. But in the car business is like, you don't sell a car every day. You don't sell a car every week sometimes. And if you don't, you owe them money. Like you have to pay them to work there. If you don't sell cars. Really? Yeah. Because they have to make like minimum wage stuff happen because we are W-2 technically. Because you're so, earning a draw. Yeah. Or so you something. get okay. 290 a week. It like sticks in my head. So if you didn't sell $290 worth of commission, okay, now you have to write, like basically now you owe them that next week. So 290 becomes 580. And then, I mean, like if you go three weeks, like you just won't quit because you owe them so much money, you're never going to make a paycheck again. <laughs> Okay, hold on. So we're way ahead of ourselves here. I, I want to get into that because I think there's that's going to be a fascinating space. So, so far, <laughs> we know you've got a spreadsheet, you're a high achiever, um, and you're a converter, right? Like on the archetype side, yeah. that's, would you, is that how you would identify or so classify I, yourself? I do not enjoy marketing, and I, and I can tell you why, but I don't know if you want to know. But I, I enjoy selling things. I, I want to put a mark on the board. And the easiest way for me to do that is to have somebody send me a client that wants to buy or sell a house, and then I go make it happen for them. I'm not a marketer because I don't want to. You don't want to put yourself out there, or no? I, I mean, I don't. I feel well, to me, it's a time thing. Like I could go spend five hours a week putting out content and never know if that worked. But if I get a lead and I sell them, I know that worked. I know where they came from. I know how. And I think if I were to put more time in it, I would get those leads. I'd be able to track the source. I would know as a result of marketing, but I just, I don't. No, I love it. And what you're saying is what converters say, right? It's that's how you wound. And I think you know yourself because you're not new to sales. And so I think you were intentional about figuring out how to play in that space from day one when you jumped in. And I wasn't afraid to spend the money. I mean, I think that's yeah. one of the other things. If marketing, you can do a lot of marketing for a little or small investment. If you want to go play big on Zillow, it, it's, it's, I mean, I think it's a money. big commitment. I spend it is. 20, I don't know, 2,250 bucks, something like that a month. Yeah. Okay. So, um, man, we jumped way ahead on like 10 Sorry. topics there, but let's kick off with the sort of kick off now. So, Hey, last year was a, a killer year for you, right? Um, I, my numbers that I have 54% up from the year before, which what I have. was a great year before. And so like 19.8, almost $20 million in real estate sales. Our numbers match. Uh, well, good. <laughs> and if they don't guess where I'm going, it's across the hall from here. We're going to talk um, about it. No, pretty, pretty impressive year. And so I think that uh, you kind of, uh, had a late surge uh, last year. Like your December was the, the top month in the company and you ended up the number four agent in the company last year. I didn't see that happening in the middle of the year. Um, 
I like because you were on a boat. I like to take a lot of time in the middle of the year to enjoy life because there's more to life than real estate. But at the same time, real estate's important to me. And I and I came back. It, I, I've talked to Sydney and Megan. I'm like, I need your help because I have to keep my brain right half the year. And when I do that, I'm going to need help because I'm going to be somewhere else. And I can't sell real estate without help when I do that. But yeah. from January to March 15th and then from end of September to the end of December, you got me. And I'll work all, every day, all day. Well, it's been fun to see you take time with your family and your hobbies and stuff like that. And <clears throat> um, we've all got different ideas of sure. what that is. And yours has been being in the Ozarks a bunch, right? Yeah. And we've had just a killer time. And we've seen... We've seen a lot. We've met a lot of great people. We've got to go on trips in the wintertime with people that I never would have met. Like it's, and, know, it, and it's what's funny is it doesn't help my business yet because they're in the Ozarks and they live in yeah. Arkansas and Texas and they live everywhere else. So it's kind of an intentional unplug. And it does nothing to help probably grow my business today. Well, if it did, you, you, you might actually go into business mode there. Yeah. And if, you might not be able to unplug. Right. Yeah. And I do that if I have to. Like, my phone doesn't shut off. We already talked about it. But if if we're down there for the weekend and I need to take a call, I, I'll do that. I'll sit there and schedule appointments. I'll make deals happen. But I'm not going to have to work like I would here. If I were here sitting at home, I'd be out doing something. Okay, so let's get into your history. I, I was chatting earlier with you about how I think that running through these stories has been very, very helpful, not just for people, but listening mm. but i actually think for the individuals that we're chatting with just because it helps you think through the journey so why don't you let's not go super deep right yeah but uh you're from where i'm from perry iowa okay so iowa boy you get you got a school somewhere here i went to iowa state university and never left so i think you yeah you start perry was close uh iowa state wasn't too scary 35 miles away whatever 40 miles away um, I went there, had no intention of like necessarily staying. But what were you in? What did you go to school for? Uh, agronomy. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, studied ag. My dad wanted me to farm. That was a horrible idea, by the way. He didn't own any land. It's not his his deal. He had a great setup, but it wasn't great for bringing a child back in and like mm. helping them get started farming. So I said, I'll do the next best thing. I'll go into agronomy. I'll still be an ag, and it'll be great. Well, then I got. I met my wife, I met Angela. We got married. We had a baby. We were all in college. You're you know? in college. Yeah. You married with a baby. Yeah. Wow. And so life was different for us. And so I'm like, I got to get a job, like a job right now, because I got to support a family. So we did. We I went to work. Uh, I was I was working at Fairway part time job, and I always thought, well, man, run a store for them. That'd be kind of a good job. And yeah, you don't start a job and and not imagine yourself running the place, do you? <laughs> no, I'm gonna. <laughs> Gonna, I'm going to do whatever needs to happen to, yeah. To there's take, there's take that over. achiever right there. So then uh, I figured out, well, Fairway is like a good old boy system. It's going to take forever. So I went to interview at Walmart and Walmart was uh, a quicker route. I thought, man, they're having trouble getting great people. I've got a college education that should be faster path. And I had an interview and I got hired in their management training program and did that for four years. <clears throat> You know, if you want to talk about appreciating what you have after a fact, like mm. what great experience. I mean, I worked with 2,500 people. It made me, ruined me for names because there were so many folks that you came in contact with and they'd come and go. And it's like, oh my gosh. And they all had a name tag on. So like, oh, Dylan, hi, I see your name tag. 
And so I, I feel like they, I, they screwed me up in one way, but one of the things they had in place was processes for everything. They had um, procedures. like mm-hmm. You had to follow. And, like, I was a rule guy. I don't know if you noticed that too, but, like, what's right, what's wrong, what's the rule, you tell me what it is, we're going to follow those. And so they had a system for everything. It was really a good system. They didn't necessarily have people to carry it out. So that was my job, I thought, and I learned real quick that, Middle-aged women will chew me up and spit me out. Like, they they run the place. And so, it was kind of good. What are you doing there? I was assistant manager. Like, I, okay. I went through a nine-month training program where you learned all those. I worked, I mentored under a fantastic store manager who used to be a district manager for them, but he didn't want that headache anymore. So, he just trained new managers, and he was Mark Pistorius, fantastic. So, when you said appreciate things, you... you your, your Walmart experience was positive. You learned process and how not to do names? Uh, well, yeah, that was the only bad thing. But the good thing was like, they they are a machine. The, the best. Like, they yeah. are the best retailer. They're the McDonald's and, of right. retail, right? right? Yeah. And they they knew how to sell things, and yeah. tra- their tracking was incredible. The okay. data that came that Bentonville has on every store, every sale, trap, customer counts, everything. They have it all. Yeah, you can say what you want about them. Like, they didn't yeah. get where they got um, accidentally, right? No. They, <laughs> they built a machine. And, like, he in, he invested in his business. He grew it from nothing. And it was a cool story. There's a great book Sam Walton wrote. I've want. been to the old five and dime in Bentonville. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a great town, by the way, too, for mountain biking. Yeah. Okay, so hold on. Walmart, then? Yep. Then uh, we were having, I was in Altoona, Walmart, actually. And I had a store manager that I didn't see eye to eye with. And... I would come home negative and upset and Angela's like, you need to make a decision. So I'm like, okay, well, what am, what can I do? Like I have an agronomy degree and I went to work at Walmart. Like, how am I going to do something different? So I had started thinking about car sales and I talked to somebody in the family. It was Angela's grandparents and, and somehow I get this call and it was from another family friend of her family and said, Hey, I hear you're thinking about car sales. Did you see our ad? No, I didn't know they were hiring. George White was hiring in mm-hmm. Ames. And so I go in for an interview, meet with Joe Schaefbo. Joe Schaefbo is the is the new car manager, was his title, uh, kind of slash. I think he ran the place. A lot of and people so, don't know the story, right? So this is Joe, yeah. our Joe. Yeah, okay. our Joe was there. Like <clears throat> I, That's where I met Joe. And so we sit down and have an interview. I think it goes well. I Actually, this is a story I was thinking about. Because like, he asked me about... All kinds of things that had nothing to do with cars. He asked me about mm. ATVs. He had a. He said he had this hobby farm and he yeah. needed an ATV. And he got out of me that I was racing, uh, or into ATVs at that time. I wasn't racing yet, but he's like, "Well, what's the best one?" And so I told. I sold him mm-hmm. the ATV, and he's like, "Oh, good." And at the end of it, I just said, "So when do I start?" And he's like, "Well, hang on." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and. Uh, they called me back the next day or two and and I went to work for them. And I, you know, I, money, I've always been probably too open with money, but that my first four months in the car business, I made a full year what I made at Walmart. And I can tell you it was in the 30 thousands. Like it wasn't a lot of money at Walmart, but. But you right away saw what was possible. Yeah. I made $36,000 in four months in the car business. I'm like, whoa, what have I been doing? I'm mm. screwing this up. My life can go, be so much different now. So you, you get into the car business now. You're how old? I was 25. Okay. And you've got a few years of 
sort of retail management experience. Yeah, four and years. What um, you say you sell quick. I mean, it, it started working for you pretty quickly. Well, Joe, like Joe was fantastic. Okay. And we got to give him a lot of credit because he, he was, a, um, he told us what we need to kind of do. There's no good training program in the car business. And what you're, what I figured out my job was, was like, all I need to do is find somebody that wants to buy a car. I don't have to sell them one. I just need to find somebody that will that's interested. And then Joe can come in and sit down across from them, and he can just, like, he was magic. He would get them to tell them everything about them, what the problem was. He was very calm. Like, I'm not that calm, but he was very calm and cool, and they would just, like, buy the car. So let's explain that for a second. You're out on the lot. <clears throat> you guys are on some sort of rotation. As people show up on the lot, you go out, you make strike some conversation, find out what they're looking for. Your job's to get them to the sales manager yeah and he would like joe would give us the numbers and we'd go present them but mm. like i wasn't good enough to get him to say yes and so after i tried he would come in and show me how mm. it was done and i just sat there like a sponge that was mark pistorius term was like you have to be a sponge so i actually had to carry a sponge around in my for real my schmuck yeah you literally He's, had a sponge yeah they I made did. you do that or you well, did that he said you need to go back to hardware and get yourself a sponge boy and oh i'm like gosh. so i'd go back i got a little one of those painter sponge i carried it for the whole time I was at Walmart, I ended up giving it to a I'm guy. I'm not sure if that's brilliant or ridiculously cheesy. No, it's awesome because like I needed to hear that. Like yeah. you need to you you're so busy trying to have the answers, but you're not here for that. Like you're here to learn. That's awesome. So, so what was the magic? You you said it was like it was magic, and he got people to tell them things about themselves. Or he wasn't selling, and this goes back to <clears throat> something that I wanted to come up with or talk about a little bit because I heard Abby talk about. She's not a sale. Jason, Jason did what he's not supposed to do. He prepped a bunch of thoughts about this yeah, today. It did. I did. But, <laughs> but I think it's going to make it better. We'll see. I don't know when this is over. But I'm like, what is a true salesperson? And, and Joe was a true salesman because he didn't sell. Like all looking back after another book I read down in the future, he was great at asking questions. And those questions got people thinking. And then the people ended up talking themselves into a car. Mm. And they just, they, I call it later in the car business, verbally vomit. They just spilled everything all over themselves. And he picked out the pieces that were important and put a deal mm -hmm. together. So questions is the magic. It, I think it is. The book spin selling has been spin selling, spin selling. Yeah, you recommend that early on. I did read it. It was a good book that that's been a big one for you. As I, and not until I tried to train sales. So you didn't understand it when you first read it, but then when you were training, it mattered. I, I never read it until I started trying to figure out how do I take what I do mm. and give it to others. And that book was the only thing that really like summed up into a nice little package. Yeah. What I think I do. Could you people. 30 seconds SPIN? Yep. I Go think ahead. I can. So SPIN is an acronym for four different types of questions situation questions, problem questions, implication questions, and needs payoff questions. So, and they, they lay out like situation questions are the easiest questions to ask. They're the most what's, commonly what's used. Example? Like, um, you could just say like, what are you looking for? Like, and, and that's pretty big and open, but like a better, a better one is or? like, do you, do you like the shirt you have on? Do you like the car you're driving? Like those questions don't help you get to the meat and potatoes, but as you get into implications and needs payoffs, okay. like would this, would this change the way 
change your life. You know, I mean, they get more Hold on, complex. you're jumping ahead. So, so a situation is a low level, like yeah. where you're at, at, P is? P is a problem. So like, how is your life impacted negatively because you have this problem? Got it. They find out that those are negative. Like they tend to make people depressed or sad or, you know, like they don't bring you up. There's no energy, posit- positive energy transfer. And so those don't. I- they're identifying the problem that right. they want to solve. Right. Okay. And so then you can switch to the implications, which help people to see, okay, now these things are. How is that problem affecting your world? Right. Yeah. Good. You're helping me very well. Thank you. You're doing great. Um, uh, you, you made me read the book. But. Yeah. <laughs> and then needs payoff where needs payoff is like this solution is going to solve for your whole situation, your problem, and you're going to be happier because of it. So you read a book like that to what extent? Cause that, that's very technical, right? And so it's very hard to formulaically run through that in a organic conversation. That's quote unquote magic where you're asking people questions. So somehow that concept, like to what extent is that actually running through your head programmatically when you're selling to someone or to what extent is it just, it becomes internalized as a way to understand sort of human psychology or. Well, okay. So let's go back to car sales. The cool thing about car sales for me is that, there's so many reps. Like we sell a house, you get so many cracks a year at it and you either do or you don't. And you don't learn as fast because you're not selling a hundred. Like in 2007, I sold 229 cars. That's a lot of reps. And then 2008 reps, repetitions, repetitions. Yeah. As you are working with people to help solve their need to sell them something. And, and I still don't think we sell people anything. We help them make a great decision. Like they have to solve for it themselves. They have a problem. They don't know what the problem is. A lot of times you they don't drag know. them onto the car lot, by the way, they no. showed up for a reason. They, they had a need, they had a desire or a problem, right? Right. right. But they didn't know that my cards, my car solved that. Yeah. And it wasn't ever my car, but <laughs> my dealership's car solved that, you know? So we would have, that was a great, uh, the car business was something that was kind of neat because you didn't own the inventory you didn't have to pay for the office space it was you just all you had to do was really show up and sell and so that gave us an opportunity to see the sales cycle perform like multiple times multiple times a day which is what's lacking in and we'll get to this real estate in the first year right you don't have the reps no so you had reps dealing with people they showed up they had a need you said you didn't have to sell them anything you just had to you had to help them solve their own problems. You yeah. had to ask them questions and they get talking and then, and they, you would see the light come on in their head. Like, Oh, that's what I need. Yeah. Gosh, how do I get this? Like, can yeah. you help me get this? And you become their friend. And, and in that situation, we sat across from the client or the customer. And then we went to the big bad man in the, in the back room who we just, you know, usually just told jokes or laughed or whatever. And then we come back and have another conversation. But I always, tried to feel like I'm on your side, but I realized I work for the bad car dealer. And so I think I did a good job of saying, Hey, I, I really care about you. I don't care about what mm. they're saying or what they're doing. They want me to do this, but. So, they- so put a flag in this for a second. Cause I, I want to wrap up your history and then come back to that. And cause there's so much to dig into there. So you're now in the car space. You've got a, sounds like a great sales manager that's teaching you to carry a sponge around. Well, that was, that was Mark at Walmart. 
Joe never did that. Oh, but that. I brought that to the car business. <clears throat> that makes sense because he never brought up any sponges. No, here. Joe. Joe would he would not do a sponge thing. Okay, so Mark you learned to be a sponge. You learned from Joe how to sell. You're in a high reps environment. Twenty a month means you really get to learn the the sales cycle and the psychology of each of these people. You're bringing them to a manager. Um, you're selling. A, a, you're doing well. You're a performer. How are you doing in the car space? So, eight out of the first nine months that I worked there, I led the board. They okay. have a board. They track your sales. They like, do that well, don't they? They really like, tr- they're more of a sales organization than yeah. we are. Well, and, and again, is does it help? I don't know. But like, I actually, after the first month when I was competitive, I'm like, I won actually. I'm like, I'm going to do that next month. And I'm going to do that the next month. Now, because it's possible and it's expected and it was fun. Um. D- uh, I don't want to get too personal, but how are you doing financially? You're making good money selling cars? Yeah. I mean, you just took a, what I was making times three. And so, so you said uh, in real estate, you're looking at the board because you want to know what's possible. What was possible in cars? Well, what the I top guys it, do? I mean, because you were the, the goal, top guys, right? The goal. Yeah. The goal in the car business was to go make a hundred grand a year. Like I, I saw that was possible in the first four months. And okay. so I knew there was a handful of them that were doing that and they were all selling very similar to what I was. Now that was a different, what was possible in George White's was different than Carl Chevrolet. Carl Chevrolet had some guys that could make three times that four times that. So at some point your career shifts though, don't you get involved in the sort of building of the online lead generation side of cars? Nine months, they came to me and asked. Well, there was some transition, some people switched, left, whatever, and they said, "Hey, would you help us?" You're like, nine months into selling. Nine months into the car business, and okay. they said, "We want to, we want you to be like a sales manager." Joe left, of course. He was there six months, and he was gone. I'm like, oh he decided gosh. to buy a real estate company. Yeah, so, from- so Joe left me hanging out there, and then uh, uh, we had some other guys. So they wanted me to do. Sales manager, backup F and I, so find the finance part of the car side, okay. and then all the internet leads because it, it, get this at this is two thousand and five, and I was the only person that worked there that could type in the time. So I think that's why I got the job. Is that a metaphor or like no? Like they literally did, they couldn't use a keyboard <laughs> on the computer at that time. So Joe could, and Joe had been doing a lot of the internet leads, but Joe left, and so once Joe was gone, there was no one else to do that. It's pretty early on, 2005. So internet then is a different internet than than what we have today, right? Yeah. But so what did that look like? You built a funnel or you built a conversion platform? What'd you do? Yeah. So the dealerships through our websites and through some few paid sources, GM would send leads to, uh, we would get several different lead cars.com auto trader. Those guys all were lead generators. So you weren't building the lead gen side. No, they, that was in place. Yeah. So this, uh, the reason I'm asking is because this correlates so well to Zillow, you know, like yeah. the, where we're headed. So the leads are there. You're and, and they're very high funnel. So, and this we'll get into this with Zillow, but they would just send us all these leads that are not qualified. Okay. You know, somebody raised their hand accidentally. They put in their phone number, email. Maybe maybe neither of them are right, but they got the information they look for. And then we would have to sort through and call and call and email and try and figure out how do we get them to the dealership because you can't sell anybody a car from home at that time and and so my job was to sit there I was I mean we were selling at that time about 15 of the cars per month while I was managing I was able to get 15 people out a month to come in and just buy a car that had originated through the internet 
a lot of people at that time still called the dealership. So they'd see a car in line, they'd call and then they'd come <coughs> in. When you say you're doing this, you're making the calls. Yeah, I had, I sat in office. That's all I did. Once I, once I stopped chasing lot traffic, uh, just out of curiosity, this was an upgrade for you from working the lot. Well, it was a guarantee. They, I mean, when they came to me and said, Hey, would you help us with this role? I said, yeah. Um, but you can't afford me. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I said, I'm, I mean, this is what I'm making selling cars. I'm very content doing that. Like, I don't want to risk going into this other role and then you don't like it and I lose my job. And yeah. So I said, you, you know, okay, and, so and they, they ended up saying, yeah, we can. And they threw out a hundred grand. They took care of you and yeah. <clears throat> cause it was a new thing for them. To, yeah. So how did it go? And what maybe more than how did it go? Cause this is early internet. What, what did you learn about the conversion process there in the car space? Well, I think that's where you really hone communication. Uh, I, you think about there's three types of communication, your body, your nonverbal, like your body language, the words you use, and your inflection. Your tone yeah. And, yeah. And, and so when we sit there and sell on the Internet, you lose 60% because that's your body language. Mm-hmm. So now you're just working on, on, on the phone. They can hear your inflection and the words. But – then you go to email and you are working with 10% of your total ability to communicate with people. Yeah. And if you say one wrong thing, like I think that was huge in my career because that was where I learned what you say is important. Wow. And if you say it in the wrong way or at the wrong time, you lose them and they're gone. And it's not just saying the wrong thing. It's that they get to infuse assumptions yeah. into what you're saying. Yeah. They you heard it wrong. They read it wrong. Yeah. Like, it's not my fault. Well, it is my fault. And that's and I think people don't realize how much power they have. As you get good at email communication, and, and I sit there, you're, people are going to say, oh, you think you're so great. I'm like, no. I think there's times where I really put a lot of energy into that, and I do a good job. There's a lot of times where verbal, I don't care, and I just rile people up, and it's fine. It's not fine. I should be more of a better communicator all the time. But when I'm selling and I'm in that mode, this is fascinating. Watch out. You're more intentional with your, your emails to prospects than you are to just your peer group. Isn't that sad? Like, it's kind of sad. Like I, yes, I don't, I don't. And that's where it kind of, I probably come off like I don't care enough because I don't sell other agents houses and they, they don't pay my bills. You know, that's very achiever though. Like, uh, one thing you learn about achievers is they, they they'll be what they need to be wherever they need to be it to get what they're trying to accomplish. Right. And uh, so I mean it's it's not good or bad. It's just a self realization. I I think I could do much better and probably enjoy my life more if I was just well, more we, patient and kind and nice. We have this on uh, on audio. Yeah, I'll do better. I love it. Um, <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm and so. Uh, the question was, what what did you learn? And so that was a great response. So we're learning about the intentionality of the choice of words in the conversion process. What else? So we learned starting there because later on I had to say, again, I know I whatever I do is successful, but we're going to skip a little bit. I, later I started a company doing this, Auto I Lead, where we had to train college kids to sell or convert appointments for car dealerships this is for now a different company for my company yeah so you you start something new out of what you did sorry let me back up you were doing this first part the e-leads thing for um george white 
Well, so I, I was handling their internet leads there. I go to Carl's. I do the same job for them. I handle it just internet leads. Okay. So you and did you did it for Carl's and then you started your own thing? Yeah. So at Carl's, they wanted me. Again, I go and I just want to sell. I just want to sell cars. So uh-huh. I did for two, almost two years. And then they're like, they had fired five managers of the internet department. And they kept trying to fire my friends that were in the internet department <laughs> because they like, they're not successful. Because the managers don't know what they're doing. And so they kept asking mm. me, would you do it? I'm like, well, again, you can't afford me. And it sounds terrible, but I'm like, I'm making too much money selling house, or selling cars. Like, I can't go be your manager. Yeah. Eventually, they paid up. And so yeah. even more money. Like, okay, but then they're like all the other managers are pissed because I was one of the highest paid managers because of what I could make selling. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have to pay sales managers that much. So I'm always the bad guy. But <laughs> that's just the theme of the story. So in, at Carl's, they ended up promoting me, and we took, when I got there, they had one guy, you, he took all the internet leads, and he would sell 20 cars a month off of all of Carl Chevrolet's internet traffic. Massive amount of traffic. He's just cherry-picking. So I came in and outsold him right away, and he still sold his cars, and we still had the same number of leads. So that's when we added five people. We got up to six, I think, at five, but we were five when I was managing. And we were selling 1,000 cars a year out of just their internet leads. And that didn't count all the people that called in. I mean, everybody's looking online at this point. But the ones that were trying to dialogue with email only or text communication, like it took a different set of skill set. Mm-hmm. It was a different skill set to be able to get those people to the dealership. Okay. So all these people now, I have five reps that would keep bringing me in all these email communications and saying, this guy said this, what do I do? I'm like... Oh, well here. And so I'd read I like, and eventually I learned, I can't just write all your emails. So you write your email, bring it to me. I'll proofread it. What I hear though, is you're getting your reps in now. Yeah. So now we have, again, if you sell a thousand cars, you probably missed five for every one you got. I figured in the, my three years at Carl Chevrolet, I was, I was looking at about 5,000 deals a year running that department. Yeah. And, and you're not tweaking the stuff that's easy. You're, you're dealing with the challenging ones yeah. and learning. You're like honing the skill of converting. Right. And you get this because I think it's, it's like your reps. You get all the agents' worst stuff. Yeah. And so you're learning very quickly. I learned conflict management pretty quick. Yeah. Because uh, that's what comes to me. Yeah. So, okay. So when you start your own thing, that's you step out and you're like, hold on, I can build a machine out of this or... Yeah, I, I looked at what I was doing for Carl's and I didn't have to be anywhere. Like I could do what I did for them from an office anywhere. Kind of like the new COVID work from home. Yeah. Like So I took that philosophy in 2011 and started a business in Ames. Okay. Hi, we got up to 12 people that worked for us. We had eight dealerships, a lot of complexity. And you're, you're providing a service to dealerships. Yeah, they would send me, they'd make an agreement with me, and they would send all of their internet leads to our office. And then we got paid if we send in somebody from their lead to their dealership, which is funny because it's their lead, their car, their dealership. And then they would pay me 150 bucks for that. And then if they sold them, they would pay me 150 bucks more. You're up city. Yeah. <clears throat> right? Basically, yeah, it's like Dude. what Zillow is doing right now. You're handing the uh, conversion for yeah. the car guys because they don't want to deal with they it. Don't want to, de- yes. And so, like, other people have taken this idea and have run with it. The problem in the car business, it's illegal. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it, well, Iowa has a, a little known rule on the books that because we were W two employees, we had to work for 
a licensed dealer in Iowa. And if we worked for a licensed dealer, we didn't have to be licensed, but we could talk about cars, prices, all it that stuff. It would be like specific assistance in real estate. Exactly. You can't cross that line. Yeah. And so as soon as I went to my own thing, I'm not a licensed car dealer. Yeah. They Now, I didn't get in trouble for it, but it, it came up because somebody asked me about it and I did a little homework. I'm like, oh man, yeah, technically I could be called on the mat for it. Yeah. So I'm like, well, it's too hard. There's not enough money. Like it's just... It was a great idea, but it's I'm not I'm not willing to invest more in this. So I ended up going back to work for one of my clients. I was a sales manager for them for three more years, and then they did really they did well. And then you showed up on our doorstep. Yeah. Now, so how many years in cars? I started in two thousand, the end of two thousand four, and then I left in two thousand. Well, two thousand seventeen is when I started here. So thirteen years. <clears throat> so let's get back to the philosophy of cars as it relates to the philosophy of real estate, right? Because that's really where you've got a lot, I think, to offer. And some of it's already coming out. But get me into the... the we're still on the intro here. This is funny. <laughs> but we're, we're bouncing all over the place. So um, you get into real estate. And uh, calculated decision, What? why real estate? Um, and then maybe even talk me through the first year or two, like your experience. I had talked to Joe a couple of times. We weren't, we didn't stay in touch much, but I had ran into him, talked to him, and he had said, "What you know, th- think about selling real estate." And I'm like, "Man, the reserves you have to have. I'm used to making great money, like starting over. I, all these things were like, it didn't make sense. Barriers to entry, right? Yeah, I, in my mind, they were. And I thought, well, I found myself conflicted. I was either going to go get another uh, job running a." a another dealership or go back into car sales or I got fired from the last dealership I worked at. Let's be honest about it. Okay. Um, the best thing that ever happened to me, but we, they had my, the dealership I was working with had somebody that worked for them that went and bought a car from a dealership in Waterloo and an hour away and didn't give us a chance. And like, and it went at George White, somebody did that and they got fired. So like my mentality is like, you just don't do that. Like, that's not right. You're pretty black and white yeah. with like justice and right and wrong. Yeah. Too, you know? too much. So it's yeah. a fault. And so I had this gal do this. She had been there not very long. Like I ended up getting to visit with her father about the whole thing. Cause anyway, she wasn't great employee. She left later as well, but they, they ended up thinking that they didn't want to go that route with their employees. I'm like, that's fine. That's your store. And so you get in a fight basically with your management with about owner, justice yeah. and your, your principles yeah. and you lose your job. So you, you reach out to Joe, you step in. I'm not trying to, I just want to jump yeah. ahead because yeah. there's so much to talk about here. You, you jump in or, or your decision reach, jumping in. I, I reached, so I reached out to Joe. I talked to Tammy Hicks. I talked to, uh, three other brokers in Ames. And I'm like, I think I, I want to do real estate. I don't know where. And I had a good, I knew Joe and I was like, I want to go there. You had a lot of trust built up. I did. Him. Yeah. And, but I'm like, I don't know anything about these pay plans. One thing I'm, I always want to know about the pay plan. I want to know like, how does this work? And the more I learned about it, it's like the more I won't know until I get in. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to know. But in the end, it wasn't the pay plan that at all. I, I didn't know that thinking about it you know, thinking back, but I sat down with you, I sat down with Angela, and then I looked at the roadmap for the next two years, mm-hmm. and you guys were the only one that had a plan mm-hmm. of how I was going to, like, learn the business and be successful, and everybody else felt like the car business, like, yeah, there's the lot, 
you know, go sell a car. There's the world, go sell a house. And I'm like, eh, I want some more structure to that. We put a lot of work into that roadmap. In hindsight, we could just give people sponges and save all that time. <laughs> Can we go back to the sponge? So that sponge <laughs> was, I carried it, like I said, for the whole four years I was at Walmart. And then uh, I had a guy at Carl Chevrolet that was needing a sponge. And so one day I gave that sponge to him and said, I told him the story. I said, You're, this is your yours to protect now. Like hmm. you, you need this more than I do now. And I fired him later on. He was one of about two people that got fired from the car business. Like I didn't fire anybody. I don't believe in that. Like I think I can make everyone successful. And of the two that I, I actually let go, he's one. And he still calls me like we're best buddies. Like in his mind, we're mm. again, I helped him and I helped another guy. And they're like, they, that was a cool thing for, for people that you let go that they don't hate your guts. So anyway, he has the sponge. He told me later that he still had it. So, so you jump in. It's about um, a plan that you believe in. Yeah. And how does it go? Um, I think, <laughs> I think the first three months were really hard. Yeah. I mean, do you want to be upfront about it? Like I'm sitting there, and I remember you being very tense. And oh my gosh, and and we got into things like weird stuff happens. But I'm like, I'm not going to fail, and I've got to be successful. So I start like I'm going to find a deal. But what I did is I plugged in everything you had. Like I went to every meeting, I went to every connect, I went to, I was there. You were very engaged. Yeah, and again, we're we'll probably you'll. I've heard you ask, what would you tell anybody? Like we'll just get out of the way. Like go to connect because that's where I I. I learned from other people's yeah. wins and mistakes. Um, but three months were a little depressing because, you know, I worked on my deck. I restained it, did some things because I didn't know what else to do. Like, I don't have anybody to work with. I think that's super common. Yeah. You don't know. There's no lot to stand on. There's no people showing up. And so there's a certain amount of homework to do, but you can only, you're not that confident at it yet. No. So you distract yourself in the first six months. Yeah, I had to do something besides otherwise going and a little bit insane, I guess. But And I'm used to a very high pace, like, you know, still sales manager before that. Like, I mean, we were selling yeah. 100 cars a month out of that dealership. I was a busy person, and then I was not busy. So maybe a little depression there. I don't know that I've ever used that term for about myself, but I felt like I went from knowing the entire world that I worked in and lived in, I was the expert, to not knowing anything. So that wow. was very hard for me. And I think people need to know that that's okay. You're going to have to learn this and it will come, but, but then you have to do the right steps to learn. Man, the first year is tough, Jason. Yeah. Like it really is. I don't think people, we sit down in front of hundreds of people a year and say, you need to understand what you're getting into here. Nobody really believes us or they think they do. They just don't understand. It's a hard first year. It is. And I wasn't afraid to talk to people and I would, and I had people like skills enough to say, okay, I would hear some them say something. I'm like, Oh, what you're saying is there's a chance I can sell you a house. And the first person I was at a potluck for a church group and they said they were going to sell their house. I'm like, Oh really? Who are you going to use to sell it? You know, I just like, I'm not afraid to ask that question. And they said, well, we, we hadn't thought about it. I'm like, well, I sure like to look at it and I'll give you an idea. And I had no idea what I'm doing. I remember getting my listing paperwork together. I'm like paper clipping each of the two page documents together because I'm so afraid of messing up what they are. I don't even know what I'm dealing with. Um, but we went in and in fact, somebody else at Century 21, they knew in Des Moines. Mm. And so I got to pay a, a, re, uh, a referral, referral fee, fee yeah. of 25% on the first deal that I listed. But and that probably really... 
it was fine. I was selling something. Okay. Like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, I want to sell something. So anyway, um, and there was good. It was kind of good because there was a little bit of help. I don't, I can't even tell you who that was right now, but. At the time? Yeah. She, yeah. she didn't know what she was doing either. So anyway, it was, uh, it was uh, a good learning experience. Well, I love that you were open enough to use the D word there, depression. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, it is a big word. I, I also like have had phases in my life where I would never think to use that word, but all of a sudden I'm like, well, I actually think that actually may be where I was. Yeah. I think it's good for people to hear that. It's good for people to understand how hard that first year is. But uh, when do you start getting traction? Three months in, uh, I, I would say that's when I started to have some things click. Um, and that I started in May. Uh, by August, I started to have some closings. And then from like August to December, it's kind of funny how the, these dates line up with my car business stuff too, because I mm. started in August in there. But I felt like I really started at houses in August. And I think I sold eight. I closed eight at the end of that first year. But that was like a full year's worth of work almost from May to December. And then your first full 12 months rookie of the year. Yeah, it didn't slow down. Um, I felt like I hit a rhythm. I did invest in some leads. I, I started buying Zillow leads about six months in because okay. I'm like, I think I need to be busier. Yeah. I really was trying to buy myself some activity. I didn't really know if I would make money, but I needed something to do. And so 50, 58, I think was my rookie year. And 58 what units, house okay. sites. That's a big number. It was a good number. Yeah. I was very proud of that, <laughs> but let's, let's go back. I want to, <laughs> I want to stop because in April I missed the awards banquet my first year, but I, we went to awards banquet. Did you miss it or did you choose not to go? Uh, well, I started in May. It was already, ha I, there wasn't one. So, uh, so I went like a full year before we hit awards okay, banquet. Got it. And I had seen the little signs and things that, yeah, well, cool. Top 100 goes all year that first year. Like, I heard about it, but I'm like, yeah. So at the end of the first year, I'm like, I want to be on the top 100. That was at that time five states, right? It wasn't Iowa. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want to be on that Which list. Which is better, actually. Right? Probably. probably. Yeah. So I'm like, I want to be on that list. I didn't care where I was. I'm like, that's my goal. I'm going to be on the list. And then we go to awards banquet. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this was the coolest thing ever. And then I looked at all the different awards, and and my wife and I were sitting there in the back of the room. We don't know anybody, but we're like, we're having fun at our table, and we just started circling the awards I was going to get the next year. I remember this. And so, like, I took that home. I had it on my desk, and I, I, when I do that, like, I mean it. It's kind of like the other day in the meeting when you say, "Do we need to do something more about this house?" Jared brought up a house in our meeting this week, and you're like, "Do we need to put this?" out there offices i said no i'm going to sell it and you look at me like oh, okay jason's got it whatever <laughs> i did sell that last night because i that i make stuff in my mind happen that i want to happen and so anyway those awards i got all of the awards that i said i was going to get and that was motivating for me and then that was over and it was kind of like now what um, so I, I personally know that for me, I need, I need a why I need something that I mm. think is important that will drive me. And again, other people think I'm just maybe a little arrogant or into myself or whatever, but no, like it's not about others. I, you can be successful too. If you want to go after rookie of the year award, we're going to have to fight about it. Cause I so was that one you circled. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was the, the quality service award was going to, you know, it was going to get that. Mm. I was going to be up a million, but that didn't count. Cause it, 
for whatever reason. Well, there's a certain. I was up and I was up over a million significantly because I did many millions and I had only done a little bit the first year. But I yeah, actually I did get that. But I don't think I got awarded it because I didn't have a full year. So what's interesting about the, you and this conversation is that awards do matter to guys like you. And, <clears throat> you know, because we've got an organization where we don't attract a lot of achievers. We don't attract a lot of, um, cause, because of our sales style. We're very relational. And so there's a lot of people here who don't even want to identify as salespeople, right? And uh, they're very relational in their business style. And it works. We love the working by referral. But we also, you know, archetypes was one of the best things that ever happened to this company. Because as we, as we learned that, um, increasingly we recognized, yeah, but there's multiple spaces to play here. And we need to make accommodations for and coach into all of them. But for a lot of our agents, awards isn't, well, they say it's not what drives them. So let's distinguish between awards, which is more about recognition for accomplishment and numbers. So a lot of people are actually demotivated by seeing the numbers and the rankings. You're not. No. And you're also not demotivated by awards. Like for you chasing, is it about the goal to chase? Is it about the accolade? What is it? Well, as I listen to these others and you, you know, we, we can't always do better, but I want to like, I don't care if I beat this year beats last year by 1 million. Like there's an upward award for that. Like I have to beat this year by a million in my head. And, and that will drive me all year long. And if I don't, I'm okay with it. I have a very short memory. I think one of the things that makes me successful in this business and any sales business is I don't, I don't remember things very long. Well, I've seen that in you. I've, I've seen you get super worked up about crap that you don't need to get worked up about. Yeah. But then I've seen you decide to move on. Yeah. And it's like a switch in your head. And I think it's, it is helpful, especially for someone that does tend to get worked up about things. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting because I do get worked up about things, some things, but when I'm working with clients, I, I have a saying that with Sydney and Megan, like, I'm not going to make a problem, a problem. That's not a problem. Like, I will not dwell on something until it's really a problem. And if it is a problem, I'll solve it. But I'm not going to even worry about it until mm. I have to worry about it. Like the what if is not a thing in my world. Unless it's politics or geopolitical situations. I, I, we can't talk about that. <laughs> I, I think that is an area where I let my guard down. But I, as far as helping a, a client, like my emotional control with my clients, I think is... It's yeah. towards the top because I know they need that from me. Yeah. Well, no, I think that's back to what you said earlier. I think you've, you've got compartments in your life where you've deployed very intentionally these control mechanisms that you've learned. And you've got other departments where your guard is more down. Oh, yeah. Way down. <laughs> so I want to go back to something you said earlier. The, um, in your first six to 12 months, you said it was a struggle. Your head was down. You weren't achieving like you were before. And you were mentioning interactions with people. And I was going back to what you said about Joe. You said he was a true salesman because he didn't sell. Yeah. And so now I'm picturing you in this first six to 12 months in a scarcity mindset. Because um, typically you're a very abundance mindset guy. You're like, oh, there's plenty to go around. Yeah. But in that space, maybe that wasn't as true. The question I'm asking is, did you start trying to sell? I don't think so. Okay. I think that my, my habits... So the gap in the gain, I yep. read that on the plane a month ago. and Good stuff, right? A really great book. Recommend it. Takes five hours for me to read, so somebody else can read it in three. It's mm -hmm. It was a great book. Um, 
but automaticity or I don't think automaticity, I think is how they pronounce it, but it's just making these things, these little habits automatic. Like my sales routine is very automatic. Like what I do, you go watch me and that's what makes it hard to train too. People watch me and they're having a conversation. I was at Carl's one day and Angela was sitting across from me at the table and I had a call. I pick up the phone. I take the call. I hang up. I look at her and she's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, what did I do? (laughs) And she's like, you just had a conversation. You just talked to them like you were talking to me on the phone. And like that to me is weird. Like there's, you just real. And I'm like, that's how I sell. Like, there's no, I'm, I don't know. If, I'm a, just a farm kid from Iowa. Like, you have to be, and we use that word well, too much. What were they concerned about? That it seemed like you were too uh, casual. I or? wasn't selling. Yeah, I wasn't selling. Yeah. I mean, Angela's my wife. I'm like, she's like, I'm talking to my wife. No, uh, I just talk to everybody like this. This is how yeah. I communicate. Well, that's back to my question about spin selling. Is that having been in sales for 20 years? you see people try to deploy tactics yeah. and it's, it becomes obtuse. Yeah. And then you see real professionals that these capabilities have been developed and internalized over time. Right. And it's not that you run through SPIN. It's that you've learned to work through a, a organic. It becomes internal. I'm going to ask questions that get you talking that develop your needs. I don't want to ask you every, like, do you like pink? Do you like purple? Do you like, you know, those are situation questions that don't work. I'm going to be, Intentional, ask open-ended questions. I will ask you a very pointed, closed-ended question if I need to have you tell me yes or no about something. Are you doing this consciously? Yeah. Well, I know it's it's just automatic at this yeah. point for me now. And that's why when I go to train others to do it, we have to have that book because I, I need you to see a, a roadmap of what I'm doing. And then because I, you know, just taking Megan around and showing her how to sell houses, like she watches me do it a few times and she thinks, yeah. It's easy. Anybody Megan, can do it. Megan and Sydney Reed spin selling. I know that I made Megan. <laughs> I was I went on vacation in December and I was re-listening to it in mm-hmm. December while I was running on you know down in Mexico. And so I get back and she hadn't read most of it. And I'm like, I gave her one job while I'm gone. Read that book. <laughs> read it. And I get back and it's not done. So she sat in her in her living room one day and cuddled up and read the book and like, thank you because I can't help tell you what I'm doing well, without a, a background. A common language, right? right? Yeah. And so she went through several of our, of my showings and like, yeah, it's easy. And then I let her show a few houses and I went with her and watched her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're not there yet. And mm-hmm. it's not a knock on her. It's like what I do. Well, it takes time. You need the reps. Yeah. it make I make it look easy, but I'm, I, I don't think that she wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. And I don't blame her. Like what I'm doing is very intentional. It, nothing's on accident. It's very calculated. And I have a, my car salesman now that I'm working with to buy a truck. He's, he's like, Jason does everything on purpose. And he, he's uh, related to Megan. Mm-hmm. And so just talking to him, he knows who I am, what I do. And it's just not an accident. And I think a lot of people sell houses on accident. And I'm like, why did you do that? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's just, there needs to be a reason for everything. Okay, so look, there's we're 54 minutes in here. Oh, shoot. <clears throat> no, it's good. It's good. But there's so much yeah. here that we're covering. And it, what a, help, me, help me take some of all of the stuff and organize it into something pragmatic for a bunch of our agents, some of whom have three or converter capabilities, some of whom don't, right? So 
you know, you, you've obviously done well. You've, you've, your backdrop is very different than most of our team members. The intentionality on the communication side, right? Like that's a nugget. I don't know how somebody else learns that other than maybe becoming more aware of the fact that their words really matter yeah. and, and trying to harness that. So let me, let me back all the way up because we didn't even get to like your whole story. Somewhere along the line here, Zillow starts to work for you. Yeah. You convert like crazy on that. You've built a little bit of a team, but help me get to the nuggets on the car sales side. So like cars versus houses, first of all, um, uh, better industry. Oh yeah. Because this is a time we I hit on it earlier, we're on the same side of the desk with the with the house client versus the car car client. I worked for the dealership. Yes. Now I work for the client. That's good. And and there's nobody that I'm, you know, owing myself to. Like you don't care as long as I don't get myself in trouble. Like you want me to take care of them. That's the same thing I want to do. So this is a first rewarding sales experience that I've had. Because, because you're selling with the client, yeah, not like against them. Everything I do is what I would think. And I put myself in their shoes. Like what is best for them? What's best for me? Because mm. what's best for me is a lot of times aligns with their goals. And the other thing is like, I also think about every house I sell, like I may have to sell this again. I may have to sell it again soon. And can I? Can I make them money? Can Didn't I get them out? You have to think about that in the car space, huh? No. You, you, no. Like, yeah. we're going to deal with it. You bring us back an ugly car, we'll, we'll sell it. That's the downside with the reps thing. So what I love about real estate is there is that level of, hold on, these are people, and I'm going to see them in the grocery store again, and one day I might have to sell this house. With cars, it, 20 a month, you're moving so quick that you never have to stop and think about the longer-term implications of each relationship, right? That's what I love about real estate. You can't wait eight years for a resale, and no. you can't just cycle through people. You, at least that's what I believe. Right. You, you got to develop the relationship and it's all about the referral game down the line. Both were about caring though. And that's one of the things that. In Both the, were? Yeah. Uh, why was I successful at Carl's? Like I, yes, I was selling internet leads, but I sold at the end of my, of 2007, I looked back 75% of my deals out of 229 were repeat or referral business. Interesting. Even though I'm selling on the internet, like, was there any intentionality about that, or did it just happen organically? I cared, and they knew I they knew I knew my stuff. Like I I was competent at my job, okay, and I cared about them. and And they sent their friends. They came back. I had you know one that bought five cars from me over the course of two years there, and so it's more repeat than refer. Like, is anyone sending their their nephew All, to you? Every, yeah. Okay. I mean, tons of referral. And what was cool about those is they already trust me. You know, who trusts a car salesman? Nobody. But those folks would send in their friends, their family. So you're not doing calls, notes, Popeyes with these people. It's just you cared enough. They felt like you had their back, even though you were selling for the dealership. Right. Which is interesting, right? Right. And they they loved. And this sounds bad. I'm not tooting my horn, but they liked working with me and they would send their friends and family. And those were the people that came in. It's just like in a house deal. What made people like working with you? I think I was genuine. I mean, if you sit there and say they, they, they trusted me and they, they believed in what I told them. If I said I could do something, I did it. If I said that that's not possible, I meant it. Like they knew that, they believed, and I think in most cases that's true, what I told them was was the, the gospel deal. 
So the, the question I asked was um, the two industries, which is better. You said, what? well, because I've got a follow-up on that, because you said something earlier. I'm just trying to think about this. You said the difference is you're selling with the client as yeah. opposed to against them. But the other thing you said earlier was um, it wasn't ever my car. Yeah. And so what's the other part of this is this is your car now, right? It's not the dealership's inventory. You're working through, you're building your business. Yeah. I think both of those, I always took, took the car sales per job as like I was building a, a business there too. I was like, I'm, I felt like I was running a business, but I, I wasn't here. I truly am. Mm. And auto I lead helped that because I had ran a business in the past. Mm. Uh, this, so that fit in well here. I, I knew that some of the challenges there, but at the same time, um, they're both very similar. This one is just allows you to be to call the shots. I'm not beholden to the dealer. Like the car dealer doesn't come in and say, "We need another thousand dollars." Like, no, uh, we're negotiating and we can make anything happen here. It's just really about what's the best deal we can get worked out for you. I say it every time I do one of these, but I I just truly do love this industry. Yeah, <clears throat> I feel very grateful. It's been good. Think about the hours too. I mean, I I will. You'll never hear and. Now this goes back to Walmart. So I'm sitting at Carl Chevrolet. I can see out the north side of Carl Chevrolet. I can see Walmart. And I worked at the Ankeny Walmart too. <laughs> it's kind of and a so fun you, metaphor. You're like, oh, today is great, isn't it? I'm not at Walmart. Like I really enjoyed the car business over Walmart. And so that that needs to be mentioned. I, at Ottawa Elite, I would work uh, six days a week, eight to eight. I mean, I worked a lot mm. doing that job. Um, I don't. I'm not afraid to work. And then you get into real estate and still will work but man i take a lot of time to not work like i'm flipping houses and i'm doing other things besides just looking at my computer screen well and earning a factor of two three four times what you believed was possible in cars or, or were achieving in cars yeah. you're making good money and yeah. you're living a pretty good life i mean yeah the best yeah and i'll say that like it's and and i want you to too it's like it's not there's no limits what do you want for yourself? And and you get to dictate that. I want to be competitive. I want to be towards the top end. And that's what I want. And other people don't, and that's fine. And if they do, come on, let's talk about it. How do we get there? Hmm. So what, uh, so far we've established you, you like being, you're, you're sitting in C21 and you're looking at Carl's now and you're going, yep, I'm glad I'm not there. Yeah. I One <laughs> thing you don't see, I do not want to be walking into the office at 8 a.m. in the morning. I, I never want to do that again. Is that about control or is that about schedule freedom? What, what's that? I think it stresses me out, like having to be there. Like at Carl's, if you're not at that meeting at eight o'clock when it starts, mm. like they, they're literally wanting to ruin your day and they might even fire you. I'm like, you know, I just dry. publicly shame you if you come to team yeah, meetings and, late. And that's okay. And I deserve that. But at, <laughs> at the same time, they're like, I don't want to lose my job over not being yeah. there at eight o'clock. Like that's stupid even well, though it's good like i should be early well you're a rugged individual right I, I cram a lot into my life and so <laughs> i i don't like to be somewhere 15 minutes early because i could have been doing something with that 15 minutes so get practical here what uh what do car guys know that realtors don't hmm, that's a great question i think the good ones uh, they know how to really hustle and they know how to sell and they're, they know their product. Their product doesn't change. I think ours is interesting because they're all houses are a little different, but there are similarities. And so you're looking for similarities. I feel like I can walk in any house and sell. I don't have to prep for it. Like we're going to go see what it is and I'll tell you what I think. 
but at the same time, the car salesmen are experts on, on their product. They know the advantages over their competition. They have competition. Um, and I think they get the reps in too, right? They do. And, um, I think, I think they're very calculated. Yeah, I mean, you were frustrated by the lack of calculation, at least your perception of it, because our, our coaching strategy here, it's not that we don't have one. It's just it's much less, it's more a little more fluid, and there's multiple options, whereas you came from a space where give me the path, give me the script, give me the dialogue, give me the, the direction, and, and I will sell it. So t- talk me through um, maybe the flip side of that. So what did you have to learn in real estate or unlearn from cars? I think it's interesting. People need to, anybody that's starting this needs to have, be prepped a little bit on, you first need to know who the players are. Like who is going to help you get your job done and how, how do you interact with them? When do you interact in with the them? walls here? Yeah. You yeah. Okay. There's a, it's amazing to me. Like it took a long time. I thought for me to kind of figure out the entire system. Now I don't feel like I'm slow. I, I remember sitting down with Robin and she's like, here's the deed packet and here's what you do. And you go through all of it. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. We get all done. She's like, well, that was a waste of time. And I'll never forget her saying that. I'm like, Why do you say that? Well, you're, you didn't take, you didn't retain any of that. I'm like, <laughs> no, I did all of it. And so it's just, you know, learning those things that we have to do for our job are, we're the hardest. I think that it's a much more complex process though, isn't it? <clears throat> or not? Well, I think we have to, yeah, I think between the, learning the documents, learning the people, learning all that. And that's what I tell anybody like, don't worry about selling the house in the beginning. Like go go worry about how to do your job when the time's right, because you don't want to be fumbling when you have an opportunity to sell a house. Other thing, I mean, shadowing people huge. Um, I think people should be partnering with somebody. I think they should be on a team. Apprenticeship. Yeah, I think I think that more opportunities we can get from within our walls to do that is going to be huge. Because I I look at what uh, Megan and Sydney have learned, and the, Megan I remember training in November, and her head's about to explode. Rightfully so. I mean, we had 18 pending deals and she's sitting there looking at an, an average agent's full year at once on my plate. You know, some are just sold. Some are getting ready to close. Like she's in, all the way through all these processes in different parts, kind of like this podcast. We're all over the place. <laughs> and so, you know, she's trying to get her head around like beginning, middle and end all at the same time. Yeah. And that's hard. Um, but the alternative is, is you go through beginning to end one at a time 12 a year you know how slow is that process mm-hmm. so go get that experience yeah that is that is one of the challenges of real estate is there there aren't people showing up on the lot every day for you to learn on and you got to learn you don't just get to bring them to Joe yeah. you got to you got to be the person that you bring them to the appointment then you've got to work them from the appointment to a whole bunch of showings then you got to close on I mean it's it's the whole process other than like the TC world right yeah, if somebody could afford to pay me, I mean, hundred, what is it, hundred and fifty bucks an hour to go, like shadow them, mm-hmm. it would it would speed it up because I could go point out things that would help yeah. just revolutionize the world. But who has the money to do that when you start in real estate? Yeah. Which I I both view as a problem with the industry and just sort of a necessary component of what it means to figure this thing out. You got to jump in the pool. We create as much safe space as we can to learn. Like you mentioned, connect. It works because you learn from others slightly ahead of you that remember that problem. You know, you're, you've forgotten some of the problems that you had in your first year. I hope, so. yeah. Well, and I, I told you I have a short memory. Like, I don't dwell on those. But, yes, I would go into connect. I couldn't wait to go into connect and talk about what's going on 
what people are seeing and and I just I even do that in the weekly meetings. Well, like, I can't been wait a for a fan of case studies. Yeah, yeah, I know it's written down on the notes here. I didn't even look at them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, case studies are my favorite because it just gets you thinking so much differently about what you're going to you don't even know you're going to encounter it, but it's going to come up. So I want to go back to the question that you didn't answer. You've done a good job with the others, but what, what is there something you had to unlearn from car sales that doesn't translate into the space? Because I, I, we debated that a lot in the first couple of years, you and me, where I think you viewed real estate as something that, I, here's how I took it. You felt like real estate need, needed to comply with how cars had worked. And I think that you've brought a lot of really good stuff from cars into real estate. I'm interesting, interested in what didn't transfer and had to be understood differently. Patience would be one. Um, like you had an opportunity with people. I always told everybody, if you're going to sell a car, you have, you have one for sure. You're going to show them one car today. Mm. If you're good, they'll give you a second shot. It's almost unheard of to show them a third car in this first day. And if you don't sell them that day, they're gone. This business, it, the house isn't always there. And mm, so you're... Especially you, in this market. The thing that I had to do in the internet that I think transferred... Again, I'm answering what transferred well is like maintaining that relationship. I had a lot of car people that didn't buy that day, but they came back when the time was right. I would call them. The rebates would change. The uh, the, the right car showed up, and i call them and say, hey, I got your car. Um, so that transferred well. I still think that is huge right now because we don't have the inventory sitting there. So you have to be able to call them and say, hey, I've got your house. So maybe maybe this will help with that question a little bit. No, no, that's good. That's good. But maybe this will get even further down the channel. Um, how has working by referral uh, manifested itself as a converter that is doing a lot of good stuff with Zillow that really understood that game? Um, is Whereas in the car space, you said it just sort of happened because, what did you say? Because you cared. Yeah. Is that the same thing here? Or have you added any more intentionality into the referral game? Uh, just talk through that. Again, in the beginning, I, I thought that was a good path. And I put some energy into that, just staying close to those people I had sold. But you can't, I can't do that with everybody. I don't have enough time. And I saw, I probably need to do more with that. And I think that's a plan for as the team grows to mm. have some help from the team to help with events. I COVID was killer too. That took us off the game. And so you go yeah. through two years and, and I, my business didn't suffer because I did less of that. And you could, cause you couldn't, is it on the list? Yeah. I mean, I could sell more referrals, do a better job. Those people trust you, like you. So what I'm hearing you say is you really put very little into intentionality on the referral side. How much of your business is referrals or repeat? Uh, usually about half. With no intentionality. Yeah. I, I think there's something very profound there. Well, no, you're I, probably right. And that's, but I, again, I sit there and I say, if I did my job right when I was with them, they're going to want to work with me again. Yeah. And so why, you know, I don't want to be, again, I don't want to be a bother to them. Mm. They know they can call me. They do. Um, but at the same time, like I, I have other people I'm working, you know, at any time we're working with a lot of people. This is what's so fascinating about archetypes because you, you, you're afraid of being a bother to people on the warm side of the, of the spectrum, but you got no problem emailing, texting, calling and converting people on the cold side. And most agents in our company are the exact opposite of that. And 
What's nice about that is I think we care enough that we don't want to be a bother. It is interesting. We've all got our different hangups. Yeah, you just can't do it all. There's so many options that, that you can do. And Well, let's be clear. There's nothing shabby about um, selling $20 million of real estate, <clears throat> 50% of it by referral without a lot of effort. So there's not, this isn't like a, this is a celebration, right? Yeah. It's more, and this is the struggle. This is the gap in the gain. There's always more. There's always better. Oh, yeah. I could do a lot of things to sell more houses. And then, and again, <clears throat> so if you want to, one of the summary items is uh, I have a goal in business that even though I want to be at the top, like my other goal that probably trumps that, that bad word, can you say that? <laughs> anyway, it, the word, the, the thing that, the rule I have that is above and beyond that is that I want everyone that works with me to feel like they're my only client. Mm-hmm. And if I can do that, I'm good. If I start to feel like we're dropping something or they can't get a hold of me, or even if I'm in the Ozarks, like they, they can, an, I'll answer the phone. And I want, pe- I, my wife gets frustrated, but if the phone rings, I'm going to answer it. I don't, mm. I mean, I don't care. I'm going to answer that call. Somebody's calling. Now, they're not all important, and I might have to call somebody back, but I'm going to answer the phone. And then if I'm in a listing meeting, I'll call them right after that. But I, I want people to know I'm accessible and that they're my biggest priority. Well, this is off the script, but um, what I've learned in, so yes, you will always pick up for a client. What I've learned about on the flip side of that, you almost expect the same then of, no, 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 not in a bad way. I just, I think there's a lesson there in that you got to know your client. Like I know as a client, I know you and I know that when you've got something that's burning, you're, you're going to call. And you're going to want someone to answer the question right away. And it's not like high maintenance. It's just that's what you do for others. That, that's why I'm so particular, for example, about people who don't do their jobs. Because I will never not show up on time, do what I say, finish what I start, and say please and thank you. I'm always going to do that. So when people don't, it really bothers me. Yeah. And I, I think there's just something in there about knowing yourself, but also knowing who you're serving. I think you're right. I mean, when you say that, you're calling me on the carpet on it. But like, if I call Sydney, I want Sydney to answer. And shout out to Sydney. She answers the phone. Like, I mean, she, but she also knows well, that I'm not calling. Well, they don't have a choice with you. You're going to call yeah. 10 times. <laughs> well, but you, but you know, too, after the four years of this, like, I don't call you unless I really need to yeah. talk to you. And same with Sydney. I think, I hope she knows, like, I'm not just going to call her just to hear myself talk. Like, I, I need, I need something. And if she calls me, like, I want to answer for her, too. I probably, she probably feels like I suck at it sometimes because I'm with people, but. I try to answer the phone if she calls, if anybody calls. Yeah, I, I question bringing that up. But I think it's fun because I think that there's this beautiful journey. Um, I think you, 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 you're you knowing yourself more and more, just like I am. And I think most of us in this company and whatever Wait are. You question bringing it up. Well, Go in the sense that. that you don't want to, I don't want to call you to the mat on stuff. But oh, I no. also, I, I get this great. beautiful opportunity to watch people go through uh, personal growth. And we've all got different uh, strengths. We've also all got different things that, you know, ways that we step on people's toes. And so it is fun to watch all of you growing through these respective challenges as you grow your business. Two things have gotten me here today. Answering the phone and helping everybody. I think that when you sit there and say, like, I don't turn anyone away yet. And I'm not, I don't know, maybe I, I don't know if I ever will. Like if somebody refers me a deal and it's a $50,000 house in Boone, I'm going to do it because they want my help. And I, and I have the, I have the time, I have the resource and we're going to get it done. So I, I don't know. That's what built me. And I don't think I can go away from that. Well, you're going to, 
have to. I well, know. let's talk in five years because yeah. it's at some point you're not just your values, but I think where you're at in life. Like at some point, you're the latter is going to be less important, and balance or peace of mind or time is going to be higher. And as you build your team further, I love when you challenge me on things. I like I like the you do we were, you we were at the dark. round table. We're at the round table. And it was my first full year and, and it was the like March meeting or something. And, and I hit the top 100 that year and you're like a lot of year left. And I just like, yeah, there is. And I'm going to be there at the end now, especially cause you challenged me. So oh, I think I might've meant that you can climb even higher. No, no. You were <laughs> meaning like, yeah, we'll see when all the rest of these agents get there. You know, cause I, I think you took it that way because you're such a three achiever. Probably did. Probably my fault. I, <laughs> I've really learned to celebrate everybody's quirky differences in this space. And uh, yeah, hey, so look, in the interest of time, we probably have to wrap up. I feel like this could increasingly, these podcasts, I feel like could just go for hours and hours. I'm, I'm starting to understand why Joe Rogan's do take three to four. I hope people got something out of this that's like, it's such a different different uh, type of podcast. Like my life's not very exciting. All I've done is sell stuff. But I at the same time, like, how I sell things, I think, is is really the, the the thing that we need to focus on. And like, if we can give some morsels to other people yeah. to go out and use to sell like like that, it's going to work. People it, people respond to it. I think there's more packed into these than than I ever anticipated. And so, no, I think there's tons to learn from from where you're at. I feel like there's a lot more we could do. But help me help me wrap this up. Like, I, I did two minutes on this. Okay. You, you've said it several times in different ways. You've talked about mindset. You've talked about either turning that switch off or shutting down those voices or, you know, you and I've talked about tapes in people's brains and cause I think you've read some of this stuff. Um, how do you as achieve as an achiever, right. Um, in this kind of crazy space, uh, keep on track because we you're in also a little, is vol can I say volatile? I think so. Yeah. You're, you're tight. You're wound tight, right? I'm, I'm tight. I can get wound up quick. You want to perform and you want to win and you want to achieve. So yeah. how do you keep your head straight? Short memory is huge, but I, I think that, I mean, I try to have other things besides this. And that's where I was, when I was focusing on rookie of the year, all I did was think about this. The flip house right now is good because it's a different thing for me to do. Painting, I'm not thinking about anything else. Like it's, I got to make sure I don't hit the trim board. Um, so I try to have balance with other things. Mm -hmm. And the other day you came to the meeting and we were talking about mindset and like, what are you between zero and 75? I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm a freaking 75. And, and I, I go through life making sure that I am, if I'm not, I have to go take a break and come back, but I want to be that 75. I have to be able to perform for my clients. If I'm not, I mean, I got massages. I haven't had one in a year. COVID, I blame COVID. Are you like, saying that you you know you have to keep your head straight so you've, you've developed, I mean, you've been intentional about this? I, I intentionally have a short short memory on things. I intentionally, if I see myself being negative, I'm, I, Angela called yesterday or sent me a text yesterday and was having a tough day. Their, their March is Angela, horrible. Your wife. My wife, yeah. yeah. Horrible March for her. She's working eight to midnight like type stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know it's going to be over in a week. It's always like this every year, but I'm like, you always start to, I watch her cause she'll start to forget things that are positive in her life mm. and having perspective. Like I have, things are great. Like, mm. well, I have no complaints. And so I sit there and if I get down, like, Hey, I, I have no problems. And then you sit there and you watch what, luckily we don't have bombs dropping over our heads and like, there's no problems. There really is 90% of it. Yeah. 
I, I always, <clears throat> I very intentionally, when people ask how I'm doing, respond with the uh, out of 10 scale. It always gets a laugh. Um, I do that because I hate small talk and it's easier for me to do that. And it, it gets a response from people and we actually talk about how we're feeling. Um, but one of the things I've always said is I, I, I never believe I have the right to go below a six. I kind of live in the six, seven, eight, nine realm. 10, I always hold out for because I, I really still want some, some other challenge, some other win, right? But I never have gone below a six because I just don't believe I have the right to. I have so much to be grateful for. There's so much going right. And uh, really, if I took inventory of all those things more frequently, I'd probably never go below a seven or an eight. Yeah. yeah. I, w I want to be a 10. Like if somebody can be a 10, I want to be a 10. And so, I, I don't know. When, I, when you, you cried bull crap a little bit that day when I said that, I'm like, <laughs> no, I really, I've, I really am today. I felt really, really good that day. And I, and I see myself as I'm having more successes, I'm like, I have more and more better days because like, I don't have any problems. Like life is good. Well, I can't think of a better place to close than that. So we could keep going forever, but uh, you keep making it. A, that day was a negative 15 to 75 was the scale, I believe. And you picked 74 or five. Yeah, 74. Yeah. Um, so we'll keep holding out for that 75. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, thanks for this. And uh, again, good job. Uh, um, one or two big things that you're looking to get done this year. Like what's, what's the rung on your ladder now? Well, we have to be up another million. So we got to hit 20.8. There it is. And, uh, I want to actually, we're, we're really, we're bringing in Megan. Uh, Sydney's got stuff going on in her world with the baby coming. Like there's, there's lots. I want to get better with our team and like everyone having a focus of what they're doing. How's it, how's everybody contributing and having, you know, a great quality of life too. Like I, I, mm -hmm. anybody that works for me, I want them to make a lot of money and I want them to love what they're doing and I want them to have some autonomy on how they do it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's our goal this year is like to figure out how do you do that without making it feel like it's a structured space for them too. I want them to feel like real estate agents. They are. Um, I look forward to uh, regrouping later and seeing how we did because yeah. uh, I think it's going to be a pretty crazy year. So uh, yeah, we got, there's like, I was looking this morning, we're just under $5 million for this year, sold and pending. So we're on track. Good start. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, thanks again. Let's, uh, let's go do Friday, and I'll, uh, I'll look forward to talking again in the future. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today. For more episodes, resources, and show notes, head to morethanmorepodcast.com.